Welcome to The Strategic Investor. Join us as we interview some of the world's most productive asset managers and uncover sophisticated and unique investment strategies in the markets. Here is your host, Charlie Wright. Hello and welcome to Strategic Investor Radio on OC Talk Radio, where we bring you investment strategies you are not hearing elsewhere. Thank you for joining us today. We'd like to welcome our guest, George Douglas, Chief Investment Officer of SSI Investment Management, a boutique institutional asset management firm located in Los Angeles. They focus on convertible and equity strategies. George, welcome to Strategic Investor Radio. Thanks, Charlie. So, George, you have the advanced degrees in finance, statistics, and mathematics. You've had almost four decades of quantitative equity research and portfolio manager management, and you've been CIO for SSI for 21 years. So give us a brief description and a background and history of SSI, will you, George? Sure. SSI uh, has been in business since the 70s, was one of the first institutional money managers focusing on market-neutral strategies involving buying portfolios of stocks and hedging with short positions. Um, as you mentioned, uh, I, you know, I joined 22 years ago as chief investment, investment officer. Prior to that, I ran a quantitative equity research group at Drexel Burnham in New York. I also worked for two years for Sir John Templeton, managing money for Sir John and two years at Credit Suisse First Boston, managing the Quantitative Equity Strategies Group. And uh, SSI today manages about $1.6 billion, uh, most of which is in convertible securities, about a billion foreign convertibles, both traditional convertible long-only portfolios and what we call convertible arbitrage portfolios, where we hedge convertibles with common stock uh, short positions, and another $200 million in, uh, in allocation strategies using ETFs. You know, uh, George, we'd love to have you back sometime to tell us uh, what you saw at Drexel Burnham. Certainly a uh, right. watershed uh, time and place uh, for that marketplace at that time with major names. Must have been fascinating. And then uh, Sir John Templeton. How many people can say that they work directly with him? So uh, we'd love to have you back sometime and hear some great stories. I'd love to do that. So uh, SSI, whom do you got? Who who were your clients? Uh, not specific names, are, uh, but but are they uh, institutions only? Do you have any uh, retail opportunities for investors? Uh, f- do you work with RIAs, etc.? Sure, uh, we manage money for institutional investors, but we also offer our capability uh, to individual investors through two vehicles. We subadvise a convertible ETF for First Trust. So it's the, it, and it's the only actively managed convertible portfolio ETF. And we also sub-advise a market-neutral um, fund. It's called the Palmer Square SSI Alternative Income Fund using our convertible arbitrage strategy. And the, and the goal there is income with low volatility. So those would be the two vehicles that are available to the, to, to the general public. And the remainder of our assets are accounts with institutional investors like state pension funds and large corporate uh, funds, endowments, foundations, and other institutional investors. Okay, so so George, many of our listeners uh, may not be that familiar with convertibles and convertible strategies, so give us a little background and education, will you? Sure. The, the, the most common structure is a convertible bond that represents about 80% of the market, and these are bonds that typically are issued by companies. Uh, they're issued with usually a five-year maturity. 
the investor will get on uh, the, the opportunity with that convertible bond to convert into shares of common stock. So that bond will have uh, you know a conversion ratio, the number of common shares that you can convert into, and if that uh, that determines what's called conversion value, and if the bond is you know comes at par or a thousand dollars a bond, and subsequently the share price rises such that that conversion value is greater than par, the investor can exercise that conversion and capture the the capital gain from that. Uh, and at the same time, if the stock doesn't work out particularly well, your money at par is coming back to you at the end of five years. So you've got a tremendous amount of downside protection looking out at a five-year time horizon. And the trade-off uh, is that you're generally getting a lower coupon in a convertible bond than you would in a conventional bond. Uh, but that differential today with low interest rates is fairly small. The convertible market's offering a current yield of about 3%, and obviously in, in reasonable quality bond funds of shorter maturity, you're not getting yields really much better than that. But that's the essence of a convertible bond. It's giving you the participation in the appreciation of a common stock with the downside protection of a bond and the knowledge that your capital will be coming back to you. And who, uh, George, issues these uh, convertible bonds, and what is their incentive for doing so? Uh, their incentive for the, the, the companies are publicly traded companies. are generally mid to larger companies. The average equity market capitalization of a convertible issuer in the market is $35 billion. So they're not small companies, per se. Uh, the most important sectors are technology and healthcare. So you'll see a lot of uh, convertible issuance in the technology sector, in the healthcare um, sector. And for the company, they accomplish two things. Uh, one, they're raising capital from a, initially a debt standpoint at a lower interest rate. And secondarily, uh, you know, based on the growth of the company, they're able to sell equity at a somewhat higher stock price than the current stock price. So it's less dilutive to the company to issue a convertible that will convert it essentially a higher stock price than the current price, and they're getting that lower coupon over the interim. And so for investors, and especially your investors, are primarily uh, professional investors, well-educated, uh, no markets, etc., what is their typical incentive for investing in the convertibles marketplace? Their incentive is better income very strong participation in the equity markets. And the convertible market, and this is something pretty striking we've looked at, if we look at the entire market, and, and there's, a, there's a pretty popular index called the Bank of America Merrill Lynch Index, if you look at how that index has performed over the last 10, 20, and 40 years, the returns have been very, very close to the major equity indices. So you've basically had an asset class that's generated returns over multiple decades, very comparable to equities, with the protection of a bond structure and lower short-term volatility, along with better income than an equity portfolio generally. So that, in a nutshell, is, the, is really the case for convertibles. And the, the, reason, uh, y y the reason you won't see it maybe as widely utilized, as you might think, is that simply because it's a smaller asset class. So the, the typical equity market capitalization of a convertible issue is $35 billion dollars. But the typical convertible bond issue is about $500 million. So it doesn't offer the scale uh, for some very, very large institutional investors. Are there more than ever, or are there fewer than ever, or about the same as uh, 10 years ago? Uh, it's, um, it, it's probably up a bit in 10 years. There are about 500 issues in the market. And so it's a pretty broadly diversified group of issuing companies. 
Issuers tend to be growth-oriented companies, so it's definitely a more growth-oriented portfolio, and, and currently the technology and healthcare sectors comprise about 45% of the convertible market. And why is it that, uh, that this is not more widespread or done more often or more well-known to investors? I think it's just due to the scale, you know, the fact that the average convertible issues $500 million and the average equity market value is $35 billion means that, uh, you know, large investors and large money managers looking for scale are really going to be focused on the equity and probably not direct a lot of resources towards the convertible. For that, that simple reason, it's a market niche. Okay, and, and so l- l- let's take a particular uh, company that issues one of these bonds, and if it pays 3% per year, many of those companies are going to be paying dividends that are close to that, correct? Not generally. Generally, convertible issuers are growth, you know, mid-sized growth companies uh, that would have somewhat lower dividend payout rates than the average company in the market. So your higher dividend-paying companies would oftentimes not typically be convertible issuers. I see. Okay. So give us an example or two here, George, of uh, when convertibles have worked out well, and then we'll ask you the opposite question uh, after that. Sure. Uh, you, know, you know, a couple of good recent examples. One company you might have heard of, NVIDIA. Yeah. Uh, in the technology sector, several convertibles outstanding. Uh, we're in the process of, of, of actually, you know, they've been converting some of their convertibles that have done very, very well. But to give you some perspective, they've got a convertible maturing next year. It was issued about four years ago at par, and it's currently trading at 840, 840% of par. Okay. Uh, the stock has gone from 20 to 170. So in, NVIDIA is a case in point of a convertible issued by a technology company. It's done very well. And the convertible buyer, going back a few years, you know, was buying a security with good downside protection and got very, very good participation in the, in the upside of the uh, – uh, of the stock, which has done spectacularly well with the, you know, with the chips tied to, uh, to video and other applications. Okay, that's a great example. Now, uh, for for people who who like this, who would like to to know more about that, they could invest through the the ETF for mutual funds that you mentioned at the very beginning. Correct, a correct. retail investor. It's different. The, the ETF is a, is a conventional long convertible portfolio that would hold bonds like the Nvidia. Uh, have held bonds like the NVIDIA bonds, uh, diversified convertible portfolio. The mutual fund alternative income is a market neutral fund that hedges the equity element in the convertible structure with common stock short positions, and that is is for investors looking for lower volatility and more of an income substitute. So it's very, it, it, they're different applications within the convertible market. Okay. Let's look at the year 2008. Okay, right. with the, the the credit crisis. So, how did the market uh, react for convertibles? What what happened was in two, in, in the year two thousand eight. This is a good case in point uh, of of what you know what can happen in two thousand eight. Obviously, we had the financial crisis. We had equities under tremendous pressure, but we also had huge problems in the bond markets and credit spreads that widened out dramatically. And because of credit spreads widening out dramatically in the short run, you did not get the, the short-term protection you'd hope for from the bond element of convertibles. So convertibles were the convertible market was down substantially, you know, 30% plus in 2008. But here's what happened. You had, you had a situation in which 
these bonds uh, coming out of 2008 were good quality bonds trading substantially under par because of the disruption in the market, and the recovery was very dramatic. So the convertible market basically made back losses in 2009 much more rapidly than the equity market, and the convertible market overall was up just about 50% in 2009. So there's no way around short-term volatility, but when you do have short-term volatility and you're invested in bonds that you know are you know are sound with respect to that return of capital at maturity, you at least have the comfort of knowing that your money's coming back to you. George, this is very interesting stuff. Uh, we need to stop and take a short break. And uh, when we come back again, let's talk about the market conditions or cycles that are potentially the least productive for convertibles. Again, we're talking with George Douglas, Chief Investment Officer of SSI Investment Management out of Los Angeles. You're listening to Strategic Investor Radio at OC Talk Radio. I'm Charlie Wright, and we'll be right back. All right, time for our tip of the week with Charlie Wright. Who have you got with you today, Charlie? Paul, we've got Tim Plain, editor of the newsletter The Dividend Hunter by Investors Alley. Tim, thanks for joining us. Hi, Charlie. Glad to be here. Tim, you published The Dividend Hunter to recommend high-dividend-paying stocks, uh, BDCs, and REITs. Tell us right now, what tip do you have for us today? Uh, Today I'd like to talk about a master limited partnership, an MLP, called NGL Energy Partners, stock symbol NGL. Okay, and why do you like them? Um, I'm looking at this as kind of a turnaround play. It's one whose uh, share price has fallen from almost 26 down to under $14. And it's all because the company had announced dividend increases later in the year than then a few weeks ago they announced they wouldn't be increasing the dividend until next year and the market kind of hammered it but it's still a pretty good company okay and and uh, what what kinds of uh, criteria tell you that you like them as a company you know, they're kind of a hodgepodge of different uh, energy infrastructure assets, and they have a tremendous amount of upside cash flow potential as energy production growth in, like, the Permian and out west grows. So they've got some built-in growth coming, and while you're waiting, you have an 11.5% dividend yield you can earn along the way. Okay, so uh, what was that ticker symbol again? It's NGL. Okay, and for those who would like to know more, where can they go, Tim? For my personal newsletter, it's The Dividend Hunter, and I'm sponsored by InvestorsAlley.com. If you go to the InvestorsAlley.com website, you can find all the information about my services. Okay, and they can communicate with you? Yes, they can. Okay, Tim, thank you very much for joining us today, and happy dividend hunting here. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you, Paul. Again, we're talking with uh, George Douglas, uh, Chief Investment Officer of SSI Investment Management out of Los Angeles. So, George, what are the market conditions or cycles that are expected to be the least productive for convertibles? Well, uh, you know, given that convertibles uh, do pay somewhat lower coupons than conventional bonds, you know, long periods in which the equity market is flat uh, or, or, or potentially negative, are not going to be good periods for convertibles, and, and but your and your return will be, you know, contained to those somewhat lower, um, you know, coupons that you're capturing. So it convertibles should be thought of as a more defensive avenue for equity investing 
but you are still dependent on the equity market generating positive returns over the long run. Okay, so so tell us here, um, how are you able to apply diversification in uh, the different uh, strategies and, and, and different portfolios that you're creating for ETFs for clients, etc.? cetera? Uh, did you just pick the, the, the very best convertibles and invest in those, or do you try to diversify uh, according to sector and industry and those kinds of things? Uh, we are fairly well diversified, widely diversified, and portfolios typically hold in the neighborhood of 100 positions. So we do not have uh, exceptionally large concentrations in individual positions, and we're c- comparably diversified across industry sectors. Uh, you know, the healthcare and technology are very important sectors, so we will be fairly large in those sectors, and that's something investors need to be aware of. But it's still a well-diversified portfolio across both technology, healthcare, other sectors like financials, consumers, etc. And tell us, uh, you mentioned convertible arbitrage and that you offer hedging. Well, what kind of hedging do you do uh, uh, in your portfolios? Do, do, do you go short the market? Do you go short specific companies? Uh, do you just go to cash sometimes? How, how do you hedge? Uh, well, in, we we will actively manage exposure, so we will go to cash and more. Uh, in what we see is elevated risk environments. But basically, the hedge of a common stock against a convertible means that you've in, in, increased the income because we actually earn a credit, uh, what we call a rebate credit on the short position tied to the Fed funds rate. So we will get income on the short position. And what happens also is that we benefit from volatility because convertibles gain equity sensitivity as the stock moves higher and lose it as the stock moves lower. So uh, if the stock makes moves in either direction, we have what we call trading profits from volatility, and we're able to essentially monetize some of that volatility. So it's a very different strategy. It's not dependent on the direction of the stock market. Uh, It benefits from fairly high volatility, and it's very low uh, portfolio volatility. So this particular strategy in the last five years has had an annualized standard deviation of about 2.3% to give you some perspective. Okay. And on the convertible arbitrage, are there sufficient inefficiencies in that market to make that worthwhile? Well, we've we've done this for 22 years. And uh, 22 years ago, we set a goal with our very conservative convertible arbitrage portfolios of return of about 400 basis points of above short-term interest rates. And our 22-year record is pretty much in line with that. So this is something we've done for a long period of time. And uh, we do find a sufficient element of inefficiency in the market to, to capture that rate of return. And tell us, uh, most analysts, they use either fundamental or technical or quantitative analysis. Uh, you, you seem to have touched on all three here. Uh, what do you guys, how do you analyze uh, these, these different stocks and determine uh, where to take positions? Well, the traditional fundamental side of it is very important. So we've got an 11-person investment team with specialists in all key sectors, technology, healthcare, energy, consumer, financial. So we we think the fundamental analysis is very important. Obviously, quantitatively understanding the convertible. And we we have my background is in quantitative analysis of equities and quantitative equity modeling. So that's something we're comfortable with also that we see fitting in well with fundamental 
research as a, a tool for screening in a, in a discipline. And, uh, you know, technical elements are important in the market, in particular in terms of exposure. So we're, we're, we, we, we pay attention to that, elements like sen- sentiment, and when sentiment gets too extreme in either direction, uh, and, and other technical factors along those lines. So we're, we're open-minded with our investment approach and uh, you know, use a variety of disciplines. So, George, a question we'd like to ask all of our guests. Uh, what keeps you awake at night? What keeps me awake at night is the idea of uh, generating low returns for long periods of time. So I think it's a different environment than we saw you know, 10 plus years ago coming into the financial crisis in which the risk was a major financial catastrophe and sharp short-term losses. Now we're in an environment of artificially low interest rates, you know, government intervention, intervention in the bond markets, which has created this artificially low interest rate environment, and it makes uh, the, the return-generating uh, environment difficult. So I think the challenge for investors is, is not so much avoiding the next major short-term disaster, but how do you generate a return meaningfully above inflation over the next five or ten years. Yeah, you're not alone there, uh, George. Uh, Lots of folks have uh, real issues, uh, questions, concerns about uh, those low returns, and and they have significant impact. And it must be very difficult today, and you work with many of them, to be a pension plan uh, administrator and investment manager because they have got to make that typical 7 or 8% per year, and that is extremely difficult to do today, right? Uh, very difficult, I'd say. Most large funds are assuming between 6 and 7% returns for the equity market long-term. And obviously, the fixed-income markets don't work particularly well at all. So it, it's hard to come up with 7 to 8% uh, per year, uh, given those environments. So, uh, yeah, you're not the only one uh, concerned about that uh, late at night. Second question we'd like to ask all of our guests is, what book on investing would you recommend to our listeners? Uh, you know, there's a great short-term pamphlet available for free. It's written by Sir John Templeton back in the 90s. It's called 16 Rules for Investment Success. Uh, you can Google it. It's, it's available for free on the Franklin Templeton uh, Investments website for download. It's only 16 pages, and it's 16 very good common-sense uh, rules for investing. Hey, thank you very much. No one, uh, 250 or so times we've asked that question, no one has come up with that recommendation. Well, and 15 uh, pages in a fast read. Yeah, yeah. And from uh, Sir John Templeton, uh, you can't beat it. So uh, Absolutely. thank you very much for that. So provide us your website and someone's contact information there at SSI, will you? Um, sure. Our uh, website is SSI-invest.com. And um, let's see who I can give you. I can give you um, the name of our director of business development, and his name is Waleed Shanawi. I know Waleed, great guy. Uh, Very pleasant guy to talk to here. So I can highly recommend anybody who contacts him. He'll get back in touch with you, and very, very pleasant guy. Terrific. Okay, great. Thank you. So final words for our listeners. Uh, final words, uh, I, I think, are to, um, you, know, you know, continue to look for opportunity in the markets and, and recognize that it is a very difficult environment, you know, set realistic objectives. And, uh, you, you know, I think, I, I think in general, 
the equity market still represents the primary avenue to uh, to portfolio growth. You know, the returns I don't think are as spectacular as they've been at maybe some points in the past, but in the current environment with low interest rates, I think the equity market still your best vehicle for long-term growth. And uh, I think convertibles, uh, convertible securities offer a, a very nice and defensive avenue for capturing equity returns. Well, George, thank you very much. Again, we appreciate you talking to us about a portion of the market that is not well-known by people. <clears throat> and uh, it is a, a great opportunity for them to act defensively while looking for those great uh, returns from the equity markets when they do occur. So, George, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you, Charlie. Again, we've been talking with George Douglas, Chief Investment Officer of SSI Investment Management. You've been listening to Strategic Investor Radio on OC Talk Radio. Thank you for joining us today. We wish you an enjoyable week and productive investing. Strategic Investor Radio is a production of OC Talk Radio and is provided for educational purposes only. Content of this program and the views of the guests should not be considered as recommendations by OC Talk Radio or investment advice from the host, Charlie Wright, or any other entity attached to this production. Investors should always consult qualified financial, investment, tax, or legal professionals prior to investing. 